to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah! <laughs> I giggle every time we do an intro for our own show. It's very exciting. <laughs> uh, I do get very excited to get on mic with you, Kate, and talk some Hellboy it's and great. other things. It's so fun. <laughs> um, speaking of Hellboy, I mean, we've kind of been away from him for quite a while now. Yeah. Uh, our... Time has been taken from the by up by the BPRD. Been deep into BPRD. So we're we're doing a little check in in a sense. What you called it once off mic, little check ins with Hellboy. Yeah, this one's a little back in time, but we'll get to that shortly because we'll be covering the story, the Troll Witch, this yeah. week. So, but before we get to that, we got some couple segments for you. The first one, of course, is one that only with you listening could it ever be. Oh boy, email. <laughs> uh, this email comes. Wait, are you saying like only with the listeners? Can yeah. we do the segment? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I got confused. <laughs> I, I was, was like, referencing what? them who are listening. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. It cannot, the segment does not exist without you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I understand now. Yes. I have a good brain. Yes. <laughs> um, I normally don't call out the dates or times when these emails come in because some of them get we get backed up. But there's one part of Alex's email that I just have to, we'll get to it. But the this email shows that it was received on May 15th. Okay. May 15th. Okay. Well, that might that might play in later okay. in this email. <laughs> As he yells at me. Uh, uh oh. So this comes from Alex, a regular emailer and big Hellboy fan and friend of the podcast. It's titled, We've Gotta Settle This Nickname Business. <laughs> Probably not, though. He says, I think our friends Drew and the professor need to settle this nick this nickname battle. Maybe an old school Street Fighter 2 tournament or Justice 2 where they both play as Hellboy. I mean, if you want to put it together, Alex, we'll come and we'll we'll be, I guess, like judges of I the tournament. I still gotta play that game. It looks so cool. The Injustice one. Yeah, yeah. I've never played it. That's Those really games sweet. don't do it for me anymore. Fighting games aren't my usual thing. Like I play a lot of like adventure kind of games. Horizon Zero Dawn, <laughs> Zelda games. You I play know. Super Mario Odyssey. That's what I'm doing right that's, now. That's yeah, that's a great game. And it's very hard when you get to the end because there's just like I haven't yet. I watched Jessica beat it. Oh, she beat the whole thing. Like yeah, a, she's all, like wait, a freak. Did she get all the moons or just beat the game? I don't story? know. If she like not platinum. Platinum's like when you on a PlayStation if you get all the achievements. It's called like platinuming the game. Did she I platinum? don't know if she did she platinum? I don't know what you would call it on a Nintendo. I don't know. Just complete it, I guess. Because I wonder if, I'm I'm curious if she just beat the like storyline or if she's gone and complete all the moves. Because we've done the storyline. I think she might have beat the shit out of that game. All right. Because she definitely beat Bowser and then continued playing a bunch. I'm then I'll kudos ask her. to her. Let me know. She's a real crazy I mean, we only play on the weekends in my house. So Yeah. So it takes time. <laughs> you get the mo you get a lot of you squeeze a lot of fun out of the game that way. Yeah. Yeah. You really do. Yeah. Um great. And then Alex Sorry. continues. <laughs> You're fine. That's what these are all for. He says, I say we compromise about the nicknames Hell Crappers, Crap Casters. Actually, both of those sound much worse. <laughs> 
Hellcrappers so is what's going to happen after we try that hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny you said hot sauce because he says that is what I'm going to call people that eat the Hellboy hot sauce. Oh my God. From same Hellfire joke. Hot Sauce. Alex. <laughs> Alex, we had the same thought process. Oh my God. I sincerely didn't see that email before making that joke. We, he just, he and I both know what's going to happen to anyone who tries that hot sauce. AKA us. Can I reveal that in the for in the future? That we're going we're to do it? it. Yeah, we're definitely going to be trying it. You <sighs> can reveal that. That's not a secret. I mean, Alex has definitely already tried it because there's a video of him trying it online. Oh, there is. Yes, I, I think it's on the it on Mignola. I think it's on the Mignolaverse.com website, but it could be linked on his Instagram as well. He's definitely tried those hot sauces. As you Google it right now. I'm so scared, <laughs> dude. He tried it and then he made that joke about. Sh- probably like shitting fire so yeah. i mean that's what we're that's what we're in for take note of the this is what we sound like before we've tried the hot sauce and then see what our voices sound like after they're scorched yes things might change this is a scientific <laughs> just uh, know that we're afraid that we <laughs> yeah and we're gonna be at least I they'll am. start calling us hell crappers <laughs> Uh, so he says, continues on in his email, he says, so, you know, I always go stream of consciousness. So here I go as I listen to Born Again. So he's referencing the episode we covered Born Again. Sweet. So it's one of our first jumps into BPRD. He says, Pauline Raskin from Dr. Karp's Experiment and the Ghoul, I'm pretty sure only appears one more time in a BPRD one shot called The Transformation of J.H. O'Donnell. I'm just parroting what you said, but the fact that a tiny character can come back multiple times or even a minor nothing character in a minor story can become one of the most important characters in the story is one of my favorite things about the Hellboy universe. I feel like aside from Sandman, which will always be my absolute favorite piece of fiction, Mignola and company are the only other creative teams I have seen pull this off so well. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I immediately, I haven't read all of Sandman, um, unfortunately. It's I've great. Read, yeah. What I've read of it, I've absolutely loved. Um, I need to jump back on the train, reread the first trade and go forward. But because um, I can't even remember where I left off. So it's like, just like bizarre. Like I remember reading it being like, hey, this is great. Like it must have just blown people's minds when it was published. Yeah. Because it's still reading it now. You're like, this is just unlike anything I've truly any, any like comics I've really read. I agree. And I think yeah. uh, Hellboy, when it came out, I think it was a new thing in that sense, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's great. Minor characters building up like even even Roger in the sense is that this hum- humongous yeah. that. Easily could have just been a creature of the week has developed into a central character. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Side note, I really hope I never see anything related to something under my bed ever again. LOL. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can move on from that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it pretty, was still the, pretty it was, great average for BPRD. Like yeah. a- average is like really phenomenal. And then. You know, that thing's taken down the whole curve. For sure. It doesn't make much sense. At least I got to give it to like Scott Alley and, and Mignola, at least trying. Like, yeah, they testing at least out different testing things. Out artists like things. wildly different looks for the comic. That's commendable that they were like, let's see what this, let's see what this shit is. Yeah. And it just didn't work out unless they come back. I don't, yeah. I don't think they do, but we'll find out it in the future. It purpose in that way. For sure. Great, here we go. This will be the <laughs> the part where May 12th comes in, or May 15th comes in handy. He says, 
Sorry to be a grumpus about this, but even though out of pure respect for other people, I still don't spoil the Endgame movie. I have been going insane hearing about the Russo uh, spoiler ban lift. That spoiler ban was meaningless. (laughs) Seven billion people were asked to sign an NDA before signing the movie, so spoil away. Damn it. I'm sorry. It was just one of those things that brings out the asshole in me. I don't think you're being an asshole. I just think your response... I think I spoil. I mean, I spoiled it, but I didn't. I don't. I. I I'm going to defend myself briefly. I gave a spoiler alert before referencing. Beforehand. I think the movie. So unfortunately, but also spoiler cult. Spoiler like no spoiler culture. I think there's there's can only be. Uh, I don't know what the threshold is for it because if we constantly are in a state of no spoiling then we'll never have fun conversations about anything. Yeah, this or is like a be, tricky thing because really we're tricky. like recording it and it's like, if yeah. of course somebody was in the room that had not seen it, I wouldn't be like, this is what happened. But it's hard. It's hard to like have right. a conversation, if we're, especially if we're like comparing two comparing things. things. Yeah, like exactly. That, two like artistic things. So I think you're right. Which I think we take for granted. You know, we can't real like certain things have been spoiled for me about the Hellboy comic and they don't like detract from me still wanting to read it or yeah. whatever. But it's like, it is a bummer to hear about some shit too. Like, I don't know. I get like both sides of it. Mostly we'll, we'll just try to be conscious of it. And get, like you said, give an, a warning beforehand and then you can hit that 15 second skip or whatever. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's the hard like thing. I do on pod, every podcast advertisement ad I've, advertised advertised (laughs) but also like that's the hard thing is is like you have like i think in some sense it becomes the individual who has to monitor what they want spoiled or not not us monitoring for you yeah i would understand if i was recording this and we had just seen for example, Endgame last night and the world hadn't seen it or a, a weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like if we saw like an early Two weeks had passed. Something. We were in the month of May in a sense. I don't know when we recorded that episode or what the date it came out. I can't remember. But that's always like I do. I do like side on the side of like I'm going to warn you that I'm spoiling something that's current. Yeah. But then eventually I do think that. I mean, I think sorry, that's going to get Hellboy's going to get spoiled, unfortunately for you. But I do think. That in the in the world we forget that we think that spoilers ruin a story, and I would argue, because sometimes I do this. I'm a weirdo. If somebody tells me something about something, and I know I'm not immediately going to go see it, but I'm curious, I'll have people spoil stuff for me just because out of my curiosity. And I don't. It's not like an end game where I've invested yeah. so much, but I'll be like, hey, it's yeah, like spoil less of for a me. mystery, I guess. And to me, I just go if it's as good as people say it is. Sometimes. Then regardless so, of what yeah. I'm going to know, won't will we'll still hold up. Yeah, like certain things that are like become cultural staples. It's like I knew about like I knew Vader was Skywalker's father before watching the movies. And I knew like, you know, I like some things are just like socially known at a certain point. Like about certain IPs or like, you know, you know, you know, they're going to die in Romeo and Juliet or I knew that before ever Most reading it or whatever. Do, yeah. Cause it's just like common. It's like referenced so often and that doesn't detract from going to see a play or like yeah. watching a movie of it. But at the same time, it's like, 
I guess if I had the chance to see it for the first time, if I was in like, I mean, I'm not, if I was like walking into the globe, like when, uh, <laughs> when yeah. Shakespeare was alive. Yeah. But like, I'm not, don't tell me. <laughs> I'm not arguing that new art property shouldn't be spoiled for you, yeah. especially out of malice. I do think there's oh, yeah, a difference yeah, yeah. between, yeah. between discussion Intention and is malice. huge in as far as like, are you a dick by doing this? Like, are you driving past a line of kids waiting for Harry Potter books to come out saying Dumbledore dies? <laughs> yeah. Or are you being like accidentally saying something from the movie and being like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I also, I'm getting tired of now because spoiler warnings and spoilers all in our culture. When somebody's talking about an old property, I hate this joke that people will do. It almost is a gauge to know if your if your sense of humor is like regurgitation. <laughs> when you're like referencing something old in a conversation, somebody's like, well, spoiler alert. Right, right. I'm like, shut the fuck up. It's the check please <laughs> of our of this decade. Yes. <laughs> That's so true. It's like, okay, okay. I've heard it. <laughs> I've heard it. Shut the, you, you Wait are, 20 years to say it and then it'll be funny again. Yeah. <laughs> Ten, like 10,000 people have now said that. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Well-trodden uh, territory. Well-trodden. Yes. Yeah. So funny. That's funny. But you know what? I, I mean, I'll gladly take beef for spoiling anything for somebody or a listener. And you can gripe at me and yell at me. I'll take that. I'll take that shame on my own shoulders. <laughs> uh, I just like discussing the things that I see and want to talk about. We will just try to be conscious and aware yeah, of be. saying beforehand. But again, I, do I get th- both sides of it. But, you know, ultimately it's like. I don't know. It's too hard to gauge where people, because like you never, you just don't know where everybody's at. Yeah. You know what I mean? You probably know your close friends or your family where they yeah. are at in regards to those. But especially with us, unfortunately, being like a broadcast that people subscribe to, I can't gauge where everyone will be. And I have to assume that if you're listening to this, you know, you're pretty versed in other areas of nerd culture. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Exactly. I don't know. We hope so. Yeah. Or I hope you're reading along with us for the anyway, first we'll time. Anyway, we'll try not to spoil shit. We'll try not to. Yeah, we'll try our best. That's I'm really sorry. what this long conversation <laughs> has gone to is we'll try our best. Yeah. Great. He says, on to the movie. Meaning, I'm assuming he means Hellboy 2019. 2019. I both personally loved it and hated it at the same time. I go. saw it three times and in my opinion, in my opinion, changed with each viewing. I don't think I could watch it a second. I'll watch it again when it I mean, comes out. I mean, I'll watch out. it at home, but I mean, in the movie theater, I don't think I can I'll watch, watch it, it again. A yeah. I mean, it's now left movie theater. Not the damn ArcLight for <laughs> 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I watched it, I think I was too wrapped up in the fan service to really break it down. But I knew, but I knew I loved and disliked some things. The second time, I really paid paid attention to what I didn't like, and it was kind of miserable. And the third time, I ignored what I didn't like and enjoyed myself. Yeah, it's great. That is good. It's a great takeaway, Alex. Um, I'm just taking what you want from it. Yeah, and like letting away. it di- going in with different mindsets too, and like letting that inform it. Yeah, at this point, you know that I fair. have a hard time doing that. Yeah, that's you've fine. listened to the Hellboy t- 2004 episode by now. You know that I have a hard time <laughs> letting anything go. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know, it's all different stuff, and it doesn't make the comic worse. No, it does not. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. You I don't think it totally hurts that like property in, in that in that sense. Yeah. I don't know what it does from the sense of sales, but I don't care. I'm more, but the quality of the comic has not been affected by those movies. Yeah. We shrugged. You couldn't, you couldn't hear it, but we both shrugged at <laughs> <Shrug>? each other. <laughs> Should have a sound effect for it. Grugak. Grugak. 
uh, <laughs> you know, the pig, <laughs> uh, was probably my favorite part of that movie, aside from Super Demon Mode Hellboy. The makeup and other creature effects were really great, and I enjoyed the hell out of that. I also really loved Ian Machine's character, but he wasn't Trevor Broom. They could have made him another character like, I don't know, Tom Manning. Maybe someone had to pick up. He would have been a really good Tom Manning. Yeah, especially I think where we are at in the more of the introduction. They had more of a Manning Hellboy flavor to their relationship. And not that he's that. Astute, Alex. Astute. I think he's very good. I'll call it him a Manning because I don't know if Manning has ever been shown to be that harsh, but he does seem to be. But I'm not saying that was a flaw for me in the movies. They went too harsh with that character either way. In the Jeffrey Tambor iteration of it like he's he was too no with um i think all of them have been a little off on yeah, Manning yeah. for my for my taste yeah i think manning is well and i think they never showed i haven't seen a, a manning i've only had one iteration of manning yeah jeffrey tambors we've already talked about this maybe not in detail but his was a lot as caring to me is I think Manning what Mignola has somehow navigated perfectly is like like Broom has a father he's a father figure and he cares from a different point of view yeah Manning his his intentions are in the right place but his his choices seem to be off I mean he's just like their boss he's like a g-man bureaucrat like has to follow certain protocol kind of a person but in this like fantastical world like I think it's like He's a neutral, you know, he's just like neither really good nor really bad in, in my mind. He like he'll analyze something coldly and like not take it, which is like a detriment sometimes in like the case of like Roger and like force yes. forces Hellboy to leave. And like, I don't know. It's See, like, that's more interesting. He's a government what you said figure to me. To me. Them having to be like in the field and affected and also like Hellboy, who is a sense of perceived as a monster himself to to a degree as well as Roger and they're unknown right they have yeah. unknown elements Manning is having to do that as you said a G-man sort of analytical like assessment of that yeah he so, he takes, to, so he yeah, takes so he takes goes through protocol like, and takes he's like here's assessment. the risk versus you know it's like he's just like a risk adverse government official almost like kind of a person you know it's like he's a He's just a manager. He's your assistant manager. And it's yeah. just like, he's going to, I like, he's going to be unfun. And that doesn't make him good or bad, really. It's just kind of like, he's like a neutral. He's just a, I don't know, the like arm, you know, this kind of like tool. Neutral good. Yeah. If, like for lawful, D&D terms, right? Lawful, <laughs> like lawful neutral. There you go. Lawful, I, I think that's know. correct. And I think certainly with, lawful with the Tam or uh, Tambor one, at least I can't remember him in the second one, to be honest, but cause we'll have to rewatch it. But the newest one is still fresh in my, my brain as we record this or not the new one, the 2004, but Jeffrey Tambor's was too like, you're out of control. Yeah. Yeah. He's versus, a little J Jonah Jameson. Yeah. And like, we're not like completely, did, but like fully didn't like Hellboy. And I'm like, I don't, buy that and also i just think that's an it's a it's a cliche sort of choice to make yeah as the g-man is i'm against the workers when i'm like i don't know i like that tom manning is wants people to be taken care of he just makes sort of like again you've already articulated better just making the the choice not based from a personal like he thinks he's making like decisions for the bureau 
Yes. And he's like trying to not be like personally invested. Which you can't argue is terrible always. Right. It's like sometimes it's good and necessary and sometimes it's like, oh, that also makes you like a heartless asshole sometimes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. But he says, just to finish the sentence, um, but he said, they could have made him another character. Like, I don't know, Tom Manning. Maybe someone had to pick up and stand in for his dead father. And I think that is very true. But unfortunately, with that adaptation, they chose to keep Broom alive up until a lot of story that in the comics, Broom is gone. I mean, yeah. when we meet Broom in the comics, he's gone. He's barely there. Of course, there'll be more stories down the line um, with and include Broom when they go back into the past. I think that's like a big thing. You would think that would be a big character thing too. Like to have him still be there and have their relationship be so drastically different. It like informs the character so much. Yeah. And it's just a weird choice to me for the 2019 one to take to be like, not only is Trevor Broom still alive, but he's also this kind of like antagonistic dad instead of like a supportive very human dad who like makes him makes Hellboy human. And then in the comic, he's without broom for most of this, at least like from 94 going forward. And so Hellboy is like kind of alone and has to make all of these decisions that like, he's still thinking about like, kind of like, what would my dad do? My dad was a good man. I want to like honor him. And he's like making these decisions that like, Broom has informed, but he has to do it without him and like not know. I feel like that's such a huge part of Hellboy that's just tossed aside for the 2019 movie. I think it's, yes, I think majorly tossed aside 100% in 2019. He's like such a powerful figure guiding Hellboy in the like flashback stories. You know, it's like implied that he just has so much to do with like Hellboy's education and like raising him. And then he's without that. And then he has to make decisions like on his own for the first time. It's like, I don't know. I feel like the, that like parental or like lack of parental guidance is like a huge part of that character. I would agree. Or just, I think even though I do think 2004 got that, they, 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 sh- they got what I'm about to try to articulate. I think what I love about the comics they got a little off from my taste. Mm-hmm. And I think you're hitting this a little too, is that in the comics, we've left him where he's making these major decisions on his own. And we also watch in the comics as he makes the decision himself. He's, even though he struggles and he doesn't have the father figure, we watch him struggle to make the choice to rip right. off his horns on his own accord. Right. Yeah. Be like, no, I'm going to make this choice because of who I was raised. It's not that thing where you have to be here to tell me what to do. It's just, you and eventually, I think that's, in my opinion, far more relatable to us in a general sense, where we can take up a, this, pick up this book that's about a guy that has fucking horns that was born in hell. <laughs> Everything about him should be unrelatable, but then we can yeah. find the relatability because all of us eventually, either we leave the we leave our homes or our parents pass away, whatever. Yeah, we eventually do as individuals have to make our own decisions. Yeah, so we can relate to Hellboy in that sense, right? Yeah, but each iteration in the movies, specifically in two thousand nineteen, literally his father has is through the whole movie comes yeah. back and tells him in his weird ecto disgusting pla- ectoplasmic <laughs> form, like you don't need to do this, right? Yeah. So he has he has him inform him. Then in the even in 2004 for it for its goods and bads whatever 
he also has fucking Myers that has to be like, don't do this. Remember your father. And I'm like, I it takes a lot of the decision making away from the main character. Yeah. And it doesn't let the, the idea that he was raised by a good man be subtextual. And and because I feel like you can do all of that and imply subtextually just by meeting broom and watching him interact with Hellboy that his decisions were informed by that relationship. It's just like, Mignola is so good at that nuanced character development and the film iterations have yet to capture that. Or they know? don't trust it enough that like this. I is- think in, in Oh <laughs> four, the like atmosphere of, of comic book movies was different and they weren't even going to attempt to do a yeah. nuanced kind of a thing like that. And then in 2019, they just balled nuance up and threw it out because they yeah. made it, they were trying to make it like, an edgy cool character because they see because I'm sure the studio sees anti-hero and sees the success of Deadpool and thinks like we got to have a snappy sassy character that teens will love and so they think maybe make him act like a teenager and uh, for for me it doesn't totally work no not not if he's and they keep trying to like say that he grows they each movie iteration has given a reason why he's still like in a weird teenager stage because he grows like a dog. But I'm like, I keep going back to like, that's I mean, physically, physically, but not mentally. Like, yeah. give me a break. He's gone through a lot. And if you yeah. want to tell that story, which I don't mind, I, I find the, the idea. And I think it's in the comics later on in a sense, when they go back to like the old BPRDs in the past yeah. storylines, there is a little bit of him being rebellious and struggling with, with his relationship with broom. But that makes sense for being when he's going through that, right. not, Later on in his life. Yeah. He's like <laughs> and matured he, since then. So it's like anytime you watch like an adult act like a teenager, I get it's like arrested development, but it's also it, it's absent of like what he has learned yeah. <laughs> so, thus far. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Like, like they, they forget that, that he had to, he had to grow up and as an, he had to like, Get some adult attributes, I guess. Yeah. Other than just smoking and beer and. Yeah. <laughs> talking about strip clubs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, back I to guess. Alex's email. <laughs> we'll definitely be returning back to the movie and briefly after this email. So let's see what else he has to say. Uh, but I agree with you. He probably would have been a, a good Manning in a sense if they would have maybe tilted him a little more so he's For not such sure, a fucking more. asshole. Yeah. But I do think he. Even I think Ian McShane's casting makes more sense visually to me as a Manning than a broom, unfortunately, I think. Yeah. I agree that they tried to shoehorn too much story into two hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Runtime porn. <laughs> two yeah. hours is not even that. It's, gen- it's a normal length of a movie and yeah, they jam too much in there. Is, yeah. And that is why the pacing suffered. I agree. Even in my first viewing, when Hellboy wakes up Merlin, it's like, damn, man, I have been asleep for a thousand years. I got to stretch and get me some Java. And Hellboy is all, <laughs> no way. Wake up, bro, and fix my friend. Yeah. <laughs> it moves so fast. Spit it out. I felt and bad for our guests that, went, that had not read the books, or you even, who have not even know that his storyline, right? No, I don't know. That part goes that. so fucking fast. I mean, I assume you're right. Because I feel like, so, you know. What were you saying, though? I cut you off a little bit when I got excited about. Oh, I don't even know. I'm sure it was not important. (laughs) But it is every time. He says, I was cringing like, let him get some coffee or wash his face. That's funny. Jerk you off. First, you jerk. sleepies in his eyes. 
Yeah, it's very much you as being a jerk. But that was just pacing. They didn't want to give anything gravity. They, they gave up. weird things gravity, like the flashbacks, but nothing really in the present story. Yeah. The gravity. Back to Gruagak. Gruagak. I thought he was the best part of every scene he was in. His dialogue was the only one that didn't seem forced with the constant swearing and loved how violent he was. They gave him a good personal motivation for why he hated Hellboy, but it was so quick and glossed over that most people didn't even pick up on it. I could have been a person. I could have had a life full of life, light and happiness. Yeah. It was, That's cool, yeah. He had that And I in did there. like the voice actor and everything and the, yeah, the suit was like, the yeah. prosthetics were fun. I agree. I think the like uh, Doug Tate, who is, we follow on Instagram, and he's like a regular, like sort of monster actor. Yeah, I don't know what you call them, but um, probably yeah. he did a great job. I think with, with within like just because those prosthetic suits have limitations to them as well. Yeah, I mean they had to go digital with that face, and I would agree it was a little bebop for my taste, but I don't think it was it was that far off for what. Um, the comic version of Gruagak is in a sense of his anger, especially towards Hellboy and his brashness comes through. It's definitely a modern brashness in comparison, but of course I think you're right. My only, I think my biggest qualm and I've talked, I don't know if I've said on Mike, but I've definitely said to you, Kate is I just wish his, his size would have been different. I wish he would have started out small and then got to the size he was because when he's, cause he was big the whole time. Then when he got bigger. It just looked silly. I thought, like his like grotesque bigness. I was like, his head didn't even look in proportion. It was just like, that's really what your original, your, your true form is. Yeah. That looks like you can barely function in it. Well, yeah, <laughs> I bet it's just like, this is the size that we need to make the rubber suit for this man. Right. <laughs> you know? That's why I say you should have hired like, yeah. me five, three, start him out, start him out tiny, <laughs> maybe even gain bigger as he goes throughout the movie. <laughs> he could have grown. <laughs> Uh, but yes, he did. They glossed over very fast over his backstory, which again, they, they didn't give anything weight except for some, it just, they wanted it all in there. That was one of the stronger personal motivations in the film. And it sucks so bad that they just rushed past it. hundred percent agree with you, Alex. A lot of all the personal motivations, the relationships were rushed. I mean, him and yeah. Alice, I was like, I don't, this flashback doesn't give me enough to understand because I bet Hellboy saved a lot of people. What made that one that special? And they didn't really figure that out in the movie. Side note, did you notice that he was totally 90s Hellboy in the Alice Monahan flashback scene? He had that grudgy out, outfit on with the scully hat and no facial hair. Just blew into my, just flew into my head. <laughs> I thought he had some facial I don't hair. Now. He didn't ha- he definitely didn't have like his look that he was. He's like, yeah. you're right. They definitely aged him back to make it look like That's so funny. I'd like to see it again because I thought he had I like, do want to see I it. I think again. he has like a slight shitty mustache if I remember That's funny. right. But I could be wrong. Yeah Jink of oh, fucking hilarious. He was wearing Jinko. If he had real shitty it's style. The 90s. Yeah, yeah it's very nineties. <laughs> In regards, sorry, (laughs) yeah, you're fine. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna call him out right now because he's about to spoil something for us that we might have found out on our own, but he wants to inform us. So, fucking spoiler alert! (laughs) Was he mad that we spoiled it? I don't fully understand. I don't think he was fully mad. I was just giving him guff. Oh, I see. Because he was giving me guff. Because he's right. We shouldn't spoil things, but sometimes when we record, it's a little. You know what I mean? You just. And also, I'm like, I don't know. I just wanted to compare them because I think sometimes, especially when you talk about movies, 
we'll get to a little bit of the comparison game that just naturally happens when you play within any medium. Yeah. You want to compare because sometimes this does something well. This sometimes does something well for different reasons, bad for different reasons. Comparisons will forever be part of art, I guess. Yeah. Um, he says, in regards to Born Again, Sean Shin, whom the giant monster is referring to, I hope they pronounced that correctly, who the giant monster is referring to, is the Hyperborean priest that you will see over and over again throughout the BPRD series. Spoiler alert! <laughs> I'm being an <laughs> asshole now. Uh, I regret not doing a write-up on him for the Mignolaverse Countdown to Hellboy Day. That's okay. You know what? You'll get your time to write up, up about it, Alex. You can write it up for us. Why not? I don't know what else I've got. Can't wait for the Hellboy game live stream. I got the Kickstarter edition and still haven't played it myself. Get on. I hope you've played it by now because we have we have it on the calendar to me and Kate to play it again. Soon. Yeah, just like for funsies. Just for funs. We're not we're That's not really gonna neat. we're not gonna bring anybody. We're not gonna stream that. <laughs> it's just hours long. It's our time. <laughs> Oh, I have been missing the hell to pay segment, he says. All I do is spend money on on crap I have no need for or space for. So that is going to be a favorite segment. <laughs> so that's so, yeah, hopefully we'll have stuff. some stuff in, in the future. He actually attached a picture of Sean Shin, which he'll look like eventually when we meet cool. him. Very cool design of a character. He says, recommendations, what we do in the shadows, the TV show, hilarious. And this past episode, episode seven was my fucking, was fucking great. I'm very curious if that's one that Doug Jones has a predominant, I know he's a character in it, but they brought him back. I wonder if that's it. Cool. But uh, I do want to watch that TV show. I just don't, I don't think I have access I gotta to I got to get FX. a login for FX. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that movie is wonderful. Okay. I got a brainstorm on some right hands of draw or right hand of draws. Damn it. What is the plural? Okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> uh, Alex, thanks for giving me guff on uh, spoilers. We appreciate every email you've sent. So thank you. And remember, other listeners, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. And even though that email was very heavy on the Hellboy 2019, we got a little more for you. This is going to be Hellboy 2019 update segment. One day we'll eventually just stop talking about it. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Real quick, it has left theaters. Yeah. And it's been reported all over that it really did have a dismal, dismal box office. I don't know the exact amount, but I know that it just has had a horrible time, unfortunately, at the box office. Um, but what's... If you can find the number at all. I'm seeing domestic total gross 21,903,000. Well, it did over what they said it was going to. I think yeah. 12 was what the prediction Production was. budget. This is saying production budget 50 million. Yeah. So. So less. When you don't make that. your money back, typically they don't bring you. They don't let you continue. Yeah. This is like. Which is. Yeah. It looks like that's it. Which is sad. For us Hellboy fans. But, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. But David Harbour has some ideas about why it went wrong. <laughs> I have a couple of quotes from David Harbour when this got on in response to Hellboy not doing a good job in the movie theaters. 
Regardless, and this is all, you know, everybody you can like, hate, whatever you thought of Hellboy, this is just his response to this. Not doing well um, in the sense of gross. Bringing in audience and paying audience to see the movie. You get it. I constantly saying the same thing in different ways. (laughs) He says, we did our best. But there's so many voices that go into these these things, and they're not always going to work out. I did what I could do, and I feel proud of what I did, but ultimately I'm not in control of a lot of those things. Cool. That's like yeah, taking... that's fair. I, I think that's totally fair. You do your best. I think anything, even fail, success or failure, if you do your best, there's something honorable always in that. I can't yeah. harm you for that because there are things that out of an actor. But also at the of- same time, don't throw anybody else under the bus for like anything. Yeah. I don't think like Harbor did a particularly bad job. I think I he's just either. reading a script and being directed to do certain like character stuff that I don't think necessarily served the movie. But that's that's it. I 100% that's agree It's really not you. on him to be fair. Like I think he's that's truthful. Because I don't think it was a bad choice at all for Hellboy. No. And I, and I agree. No. I, think- I think it would be cool. The direction was just seemed to be to suffer and script, definitely, yeah. which was the root of it. So it's like it's hard, <laughs> even as a great actor, it's hard to work with bad scripts. You have to add, a, you have to do a lot. Yeah, what can you do? What can you do? <laughs> then you continue. Make a billion dollars. <laughs> you made so much money. Yeah, it's like, you're fine, buddy. Yeah. You got Stranger Things. Uh, yeah. It's coming back, you know. But he, he says... The problem that I have with comic book movies nowadays is that I think, and it's a result of all of the power of Marvel stuff, it's like chocolate. It's a flavor, said Harbor. And I sort of want a world where there's more flavors than just comparisons to chocolate. So in that way, when Hellboy is viewed on the chocolate spectrum, it does very poorly. I hate- wait, a, wait a minute. <laughs> I could I could wait to hear you hear wait, this quote. Can I, can yeah, you say read it, again? it. This is this falls in the same way where I'm like, it. I feel bad. I like you, David Harbor. You seem like you seem like a okay guy, but there's sometimes you speak, and I want to be like, someone needs to tell you to stop because it's just as similar to like when we when he talked about no sex, hell, I can't have sex with yeah, human girls. Yeah. You're like, just stop talking. This seems like a weird thing. Go on, the you can problem- read it again. The problem that I have with comic book movies nowadays is that I think it's like a result of the power of Marvel stuff. It's like a it's like chocolate. It's a flavor, said Harbor. And I sort of want a world where there's more flavors than just comparisons to chocolate. So in that way, when Hellboy is viewed on the chocolate spectrum, it does very poorly. Okay, so I meant understanding him. Okay, I had to like think about it again. So he's saying like Marvel movies set this precedent kind of of being like, this is what all comic book movies are. But they're this huge thing, the standard, like how chocolate is a standard chocolate and vanilla are like the two big heavy hitters. Marvel's fucking chocolate and everybody loves chocolate. So they come along with pistachio and want you to like it as much as (laughs) chocolate. But I'm going to argue. Is what I'm understanding. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I mean, there's. Com- and com- like certain little <sighs> niche groups love pistachio and make podcasts about pistachio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. You're 100% right. But not. A, but if you said that like to everybody, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. It's a weird. It's a weird comparison because I. Uh, I bet it made a lot of sense in his head. Oh, and for then sure. When he started saying it out loud, he was like, OK, wait. And then when he saw it in print. Uh, he's like, oh, I'm sure he doesn't give a fuck. He he's don't give a it. fuck. I hope not. But in that regards, though, 
this is here. Let me finish the quote and then we'll, 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 yeah. we'll tackle this a little more. He, he says, I think as a rental or as a movie that you see on an airplane, I think you'll, 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 I think you'd be like, Oh, that was fun because it's a fun movie. He said, and I think pretty was, honest about his movie. here. Yeah. He's being very honest. Like, gotta to, the, to a point where it's like, maybe <laughs> pump your brakes. Cause you, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if your production company wants you to like say that. Or, yeah, maybe he's like, I don't know. care. Maybe he doesn't Watch care to work airplane. with him again. Watch it on an airplane. You'll be so, the elevation will be so high. You'll fucking, your brain will you'll enjoy have two it. drinks in. Yeah. You'll be ready for it. <laughs> And he says that I think it was unfairly (laughs) bludgeoned as a result of these comparisons, meaning to Marvel. Here's the thing, though. I think there are other flavors. There's other flavors that are currently being made constantly. Marvel just has, in a sense, perfected their flavor. They decided, like, if you go back and watch Iron Man, they set up and go, this is what we're going for. And then they misstep and they learn from it. I get it. They're a big fucking company. Yeah, Marvel makes stinkers too. They sometimes. have. They make big time stinkers. Incredible Hulk and Thor: The Dark World yeah. are stinkers. There are people that will argue that Captain Marvel is a stinker. Mm. I like it more than most. I think First Avengers slightly a stinker as well. The first Cat movie, good introduction of a character, bit of a stinker of a movie. So, but I think in a sense though. They were not, they've never attempted to not be something they weren't, right? They were like, this is the, this is the ingredients we're going to use. I mean, to the point where to some people it's a fault because most Marvel movies follow the same hero's journey almost every time. Yeah. Exceptions being like Civil War and Infinity War and Endgame who have earned the ability to be like, oh, we don't have to, we can't, we don't have to do those regular storytelling tropes because- we are basing this on all these movies before it, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a rarity for itself. They've sake. like built this huge thing, but like there are other great like DC. I had- as much as I have not seen the last two DC movies, I think there's an audience that would argue that that is another flavor within the same. In a sense, it's not even that you need chocolate, a different flavor other than chocolate. DC went, they're making this type of chocolate. We're going to make this kind of t- chocolate. Yeah. And people, at least box office wise, have shown they tend to like it. Yeah. DC DC is like chocolate chip, okay? Because it's mostly vanilla and then you got little chips of Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd seen Aquaman like, you know or Shazam. I'm really here for this. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. I'm really here just for these. <laughs> and I, I would argue that this is going to be a weird statement not weird but like a hard statement to make because i'm going to compare this last movie to the comics as well as what currently is the fad or what he is his argument towards that making it like that's the only reason i just hate when people's just like that's the only reason what didn't do successful is because marvel it was compared to marvel i'm like well of course it's going to be no way dude there's so many other comic book movies like okay so i literally just googled like indie comic book movies and like so right just looking at it there are some like really good standouts here. You got like 30 Days of Night, Art School Confidential um, are both movies I like. The Crow is a comic book movie. Dread from 2012. I like fucking Dread. People love that, that yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, or, and like Judge Dread too. The Mask, like Men in Black. This is some shit that like some of these I didn't even, I didn't even know Men in Black was based off a comic. Yeah, I didn't know I'm that crazy. for a while as well, but it is. Um, the first Sin City movie, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, like, there's a lot of, like, cool shit on here that's, like... And, the, and a lot of those... They didn't all, you know, fucking 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? V for Vendetta. A lot of people are like super down with. Like, there's a bunch. There's like a bunch more on here that are like, you know, not all of them are standout, but it's like, it's possible to make a movie outside of Marvel, and, a comic book movie that's like cool. And yeah. That people enjoy. And I don't think the audiences in general are saying that a comic book movie has to meet these things and they're only fall and Marvel's the only one meeting them. I don't, yeah, no a, way. I'm a huge fucking Marvel head. You know me. I fucking love Marvel. Yeah, you love Marvel. Dude. MCU is my thing, but I don't think every comic book movie needs to fit that formula to be good. I no don't. Way. There's no way. I just want a good story told. And I think they have consistently over time, learned from their mistakes and as well as grown and tried to tell a good story and sometimes they succeed they've succeeded sometimes they've lacked sometimes they've missed the mark sometimes they've over succeeded but i would argue that i don't think it's m- m- so much the comparison if you're going to compare them i would be like i'm looking at hellboy which has a comic that when it was created was counter counter to the what was popular at the time in the 90s you had like x-men i can't remember when the x-men the Lee and all that got super popular and Rob Feld and all that Liefeld, not Rob Feld, Rob Liefeld. But there was a big, that was like the popular thing was those kind of comics. Then Hellboy came about in the night in the nineties and did something different. And audiences weren't like, well, fuck this. It's not this. They were like, we love this. Yeah. It's found its, it found its place. Whereas that's where I think if you watch the new Hellboy movie, the only reason you're being compared in my opinion to those movies because there's constantly in that movie I think there are things that are that They're seem striving to be, to be, be like that. that yeah so it's like if you strive to be the thing then right, you are automatically going to be compared yeah, to it yeah you're missing the entire like you said you're missing the entire point of the like how the success of the original that it's like this breath of fresh air in the midst of all of this other shit that was like people were like looking for something new and yeah and trying to yeah trying to fucking fit into that mold is like counterintuitive yeah and that's that's the thing i that's was disappointed about it it's like stop trying to be foot fit this thing into with the old dumb saying of like trying to fit the square into a peg yeah. a peg hole like hellboy is its own unique thing you as the filmmakers need to exploit that unique thing rather than try to fit it and i don't even know if that's david harbour's fault that's a lot no, of the, cr- no way, the, the creators like, behind the scenes, yeah, the directing the, people, the script. It's the like production, the production company, company producers it. going, we want this. And yeah. it's like, that's not what this is. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Where it's like, I get that that's like a financial gamble, but it's like, not really though, because you have 20 years worth of comic books backing it or 25 years worth of comic books, like showing you that being different is an asset. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. And it's just, I mean, I get heated about that, but that's, I think, why I get so frustrated by the adaptation is is that I'm like, I really think you would have success if you really, really invested into what's in the source material. I'm not saying you shouldn't adapt it to a sense to the new, the different medium, because that's going to happen. Yeah, that's of course. Yeah. Things will have to come, go and be changed and so forth. But it just, when it's just. Like the overall tone of it and everything is like, that's what you can control. You can control like how the story is revealed and like, I don't know, man. Fuck. It is. It's a hard <laughs> conversation because you're not in control of it. Yeah, you're only, like you're only a you fan. Can you can only respond to it. You can't yeah. control it. 
So you just, you have to like get it out and move on. Where your dollars go or whatever. For sure. They, people's dollars didn't go to this Hellboy. So we're never going to see that fucking. I'm fine if I don't see a sequel to this. You know what I was thinking? We're not going to. And I don't know if this is wrong casting, but you know that guy, the the Skarsgård guy that's been getting a lot of work lately? Yeah. He's like tall. He was in, um, um, uh, uh, what's the HBO show with Nicole Kidman? Um, he's the bad uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah. I was like trying to imagine. I think his body type might be a cool down the road Hellboy. Yeah, like a little more. He's like still strong, but a little like more gangly. Yeah, especially with the way where we're seeing Hellboy, modern Hellboy, and where Mignola's style grows into. I was like, I think he would might be a like his body type or him as an actor might be a great choice for a hellboy in the future that's cool rather than this machismo stuff yeah like he's still like clearly a strong big dude yeah like he can hold his own but it's a different different way he doesn't have to look swole <laughs> yeah i didn't know bill skarsgård was that dude's brother yeah their skarsgårds are everywhere man their dad's in fucking avengers fucking bill skarsgård could be abe sabian <laughs> <laughs> Let's just have the scars guard. All the scars guard. And then the, the Stalin or whatever the dad's yeah, name the dad, is. Yeah, he could be Broom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. It's all we want a scars guard Hellboy movie. <laughs> we just Hopefully, did they the have casting. a sister that could be Liz. <laughs> yeah, just everybody. I'm sure they do. Damn, this family's huge. Yeah, they're a fucking big family. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's going to be out there in the world. A Skarsgård Hellboy. Let's start a petition. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we get back, we're going to jump right into this week's issue that we're covering. I'm very excited for this one. Yeah. It was a good one. To, it was a fun one to return to. Yeah. And we'll be back with the Troll Witch. Yeah. Hi, I'm Devin Field. And I'm Greg Galan. And we are the hosts of the podcast First Hand, which is a podcast examining the most important moments in history by speaking to the people who lived them. And we're also going to be sharing our own experiences with those events as Devin and I are kind of like, would you say we're like Forrest Gump types? Yeah, we're like Forrest Gump in the sense that we have experienced almost every major event in modern history and we can run really fast. Yeah, and I think in season one, we we dropped some bombs on you guys like uh, who the real first man on the moon was, who killed Tupac, who really won the 2000 election, small stuff like that. And we speak to real witnesses of these events and definitely not just very funny UCB performers like Carl Tart, no. Mary Holland, yeah, Echo no. Wodum, and many others. No, the real people, the, we had the real Quincy Jones, and we talked Facebook with the real Winklevoss dads. Can you believe it? So tune in to the First Hand Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Aw oh, Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. And we're jumping right into this week's issue of, and it's the Troll Witch. The Troll Witch. The Troll Witch was first published as part of the anthology The Dark Horse Book of Witchcraft in June 2004. And it was written and illustrated by Mike Mignola. We're getting right back into some Mignola stuff. I'm very excited. Colored by Dave Stewart. Lettered by Clem Robbins. Edited by Scott Alley. And yeah, dude. Um, it's very exciting to be back with like a another Hellboy story. Yeah, it's very cool. And I just wanted to add this to 
Um, this is part of his little insert or afterword. Yeah. Or forward. I don't know how you read them because in the they they're like afterwards in the uh, library edition because they they come at the very back. But I think yeah. in the trades they came before. But he says this about the troll witch. This is Mignola. This one, this is one of my favorites. The story of two sisters is based on a Norwegian folktale. In the original story, the one sister does rescue the other's head, and she does turn back into a person, and she marries a prince, etc. I liked her better as a cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it this is more tragic. Yeah, it is very. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that, and I think it. It gives it a more of a Mignola flavor. It, for, yeah, for sure it does. <laughs> uh, the reveal of the sisters' heads was probably unconsciously inspired by the end of John Houston's "The Man Who Would Be Ki- Who Would Be King," the man who would be king. My all-time favorite boy movie. Have you ever seen that? Okay, it's actually a good watch. If I am correct, John Houston directed, as he said, and it's Sean Connery and Michael Caine. Cool. And that is, there's a there's a head like that reveal in it. It's pretty fucking great. Ugh. Um. Yep. So this is from 2004. Oh, another thing that I, well, I reread when watching this was the introduction by Walter Simonson in the, uh, I think also in this like library edition um, where he's just talking about like in general, his love of Mignola. But I love the, this like one thing that he says talking about Mignola's art with his use of occasional small panels Presented as atmospheric patterns scattered throughout the stories, Mignola evokes a sense of almost religious iconography, traces of that hidden world in which meaning or is too powerful or overwhelming to be completely understood. I thought that was like such a cool way to talk about his inserts, you know, yes. of like or, or like his little kind of cold open sort of things. You know, you get right away before you even see the title, you see the dead sister's head. But you don't know that you yet. Don't it's know like it zoomed yet. in. Yeah. And you like can't tell what's quite going on, but it's like it's nefarious looking and it's really interesting. And yeah, yeah. to use a panel like that of blackness in a in a figure so obscure that we don't know what it is, but it sets like it feels I think we've referenced this maybe before prior, and he's done it. Because I know we definitely reference this because he's done it a couple of times story wise. Yeah. But it gives that feeling of like a uh, subliminal message almost. Yeah. Like a flash, like sort of reference to like Exorcist being one of the first ones to do it. Yeah. When they flashed like the demon or the devil. Yeah. You're like getting a little glimpse of the feel for this one. Yeah. And like same with this little insert of the bone and this like kind of clay pot with Mm -hmm. wooden tools, which is also, we'll see how like wooden spoons come into the story in just a minute. So, you know, just, I thought that was such a cool way to kind of say what the power of those images in the comic. I think that's right. I'm glad you read that out. Yeah, dude. And then, yeah, then we get like this awesome, badass kind of establishing shot of this, Norwegian looking shack. It has like that roof that looks yeah. very, yeah. It's like almost, it looks very old. Mm-hmm. Um, and this witch, you know, as soon as Hellboy walks in the door, she has been expecting him clearly. Like, have you come to kill me? Maybe. And I love this, this is Norway, 1963. So this is taking place before Seed of Destruction. This yeah. is just how I'm on a normal case. Yeah. He's just checking stuff out out here. Um, more cool inserts of like, kind of like, herbs or flowers maybe a little chicken foot uh which we've seen some witches before have like chicken foot houses like there's it's just like bringing back all these feelings from 
uh, all of the like years of checking out Hellboy. It's really cool. And just her whole like house is like that. Very, very witchy. Yeah. You see a little bot if you're astute or you're reading this for the second time, you see a little <laughs> box with a little curtain on it above the fireplace here, which is like, you'll, you'll see what that is. Yeah. But it's like, I love that. Again, it's like, he's not wasting any time or yeah. space. It's, it's not a bad storyteller would have this establishing shot of her little cottage, but those details might not be there because, hey, it'll show up. You know what I mean? Right. But I'm not saying there's other bad. I really don't think most comic book writers are not that bad to do that. But God, Mignola just, you might not, your eye might not catch it even, as you said, on your first viewing. Yeah. Because you're, but going back, you're like, oh, it was there the whole time. Yeah. And there's, (laughs) you know, there's just enough other like knickknacks and things in her and other like weird kind of oddities in her house because she's a witch anyway. So it's like your eye doesn't, it's right in the middle of this panel basically, but your eyes not necessarily resting on it completely. Like you're not really, it's not distracting, but it's cool. It's like a little seed planted. And then uh, she kind of talks about how murders have been done. And that's why Hellboy's here to check them out. And he's sort of suspicious of her. You know, you kind of, you know a lot about this stuff. And she's like, yeah, I've lived here for a long time and I don't leave. It just little, I have little like things that come to tell me what's going on. Little Things with crooked legs and crooked wings. I love there's just a bat with like, oh, like like a frog bat. Yeah, frog bat. I like those. I like too the use of her talking about how she know the world comes to me here. That quick panel of just the cliffs, just really illustrating what she's discussing. Like she's remote. Yeah, which I think is very again his storytelling. Just adding an element visually on addition to like never hitting you over the head, but. God, he's giving you all the information. Yeah, yeah. And just like giving the reader such credit, you know, to like fill it like fills that in. And he kind of leaves it to you to kind of understand the connections. Yeah. Um, She's also talking about um, she knows about Hellboy cuts to a little panel of Hellboy uh, brand new out of the out of the portal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, with his yeah. little crown on. Or, I mean, yeah. Did he have his crown when he first came out of the portal? I can't remember. I guess maybe the implication is like she knows about that too. Yeah, she like, knows, she knows everything. everything. She knows like Anung Rama. Like she knows all this shit. Yeah, and I love this because this is before, like in context. With one panel he's saying. One that. panel he's saying all that we know, but Hellboy doesn't. It's such a cool use of like, dramatic irony even after years of us walking oh, yeah, at with this Hellboy. point in the 60s he's like yeah yeah like we're not here to talk about me yeah it's <laughs> like brushing it off and then yeah so he's confronting her townspeople say it's trolls um and they sent you to me and so she tells this like sad story of a woman who couldn't have children goes to a witch gets a pretty flower and an ugly flower and she's instructed to, the witch instructs the woman only to eat the pretty flower. She eats the pretty flower, has a beautiful baby. And she's like, you know what? Need another kid. Eats the ugly flower, has a little <laughs> troll baby. And which is pretty kind of cute still. Classic like Mignola forearms, like these kind of like grippy little baby fingers, but like still like, like he draws like these clawed like hands, you know, a lot of times yeah. I feel like. Um, very like Simeon kind of like characters. 
but they're great. I love them so much. And it was like, they might've cast her out of the family, but the sisters loved each other and it was great. Um, and one day some trolls were out making a lot of noise in the fields and the mom said, don't go out there. But the wretched, ugly child was like, had to go out, you know, to fight them. Yeah. To keep them away from fight the them family. Off. This part is like sad too. Like this moment of self-reflection for the witch of like, I wonder why. Uh, do you think she saw them in the thing that was monstrous in herself? Like she asks Hellboy that. Yeah. She's like asking it herself. Like she still doesn't know why she went out there. Kind yeah. Of. Or maybe she, I don't know. I, I have the feeling that she like really is in that moment telling the story, this like old story that she knows, but then think really genuinely thinks that for a minute, like still has not figured it out. It's a, like a big regret for her. Yeah. That yeah. It's still, like maybe I shouldn't have. Haven't moved on from Yeah. Who can say only that she was enraged with them and fought with them like a bear. Whoa. And then she mentions her little sister or her older sister, I should say, sticks her head out of the window, gets her head ripped off by a troll. The troll replaces that head with a cow head. And they show you this like deranged, fucked up image of like a little girl's body with a big ass cow head stuck onto it. (laughs) The sister becomes a cow. The like beautiful sister becomes a cow. And... So the ugly sister's like, I'm going to go get fucking revenge. Rides in <laughs> on a goat with a wooden spoon and just beats the shit out of all these trolls God in their own it. home. That, that panel of her on the goat with the it's wooden badass. spoon is so awesome. And like all the trolls are armed with like real spears and they're huge and monstrous and everything. And she's just like so pissed off and like getting revenge for her sister. Yeah. And I think all other, what we know for most comic books is that you'd have that sequence of her riding in and there'd probably be a big battle. Like, oh, yeah. this would be fun. We'll watch a fucking, this troll witch beat the shit out and like use a bunch of panels of action. I love that Mignola chooses just to show her riding up and then a fucking long vertical panel of just red. Yeah, there Man, was Man, you violence. conveyed everything in two panels. Yeah. One, and one is just a color. Yeah, it's just like, they're, it was they're dead. a bloody thing. <laughs> yeah. It was a bloody scenario. And then Hellboy's like, yeah, yeah, I've heard this one before. She gets turned back into a woman and marries a prince and everything's great happily ever after. She's like, a fairy tale. She lived and died a cow. So bleak, which is like, like you said, like much more a Mignola flavor of like, no, that's not how it went. This is, I'm, I know how it went. I was there. (laughs) And her bones are right there. (laughs) And uh, her sister did bring back her head and she unveils the curtains on this little like cabinet. And we see this like, you know, just this kind of just aging leathery skin of this girl's head Mm -hmm. with the beautiful flowers and a crown around her, around her forehead. And she's like, yeah, someday I'll give a woman these flowers and she'll have beautiful children. Um, Not trollish. And Hellboy's just like, yeah. And then the head speaks and says, just speaks sister, which is very eerie. You're very eerie. Ugh. Yeah. Almost as if to be like, it's okay to be trollish almost to me. Like, cause she's, you know, uh, she's like, all her children will be beautiful, not trollish. And for that for moment, like for the head to respond, like sister, almost like calming her, like calming. being like, I, like, still I love you. you. Yeah. I love you. Even though you're a troll, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's really Touching. sweet, but she doesn't have to say all that. She's a, just a head. She probably doesn't have a lot of, 
words to say. <laughs> and she's like, ah, but you want these murdering trolls, uh, you know, <laughs> not that casually. Yeah. yeah. So she's like preparing Hellboy, you know, they're out and about. Go block their way with this. They'll see this wooden spoon. It's still fucking wet with blood. Remember that big red panel? It was a bad night for trolls. Yeah. If you put this outside of their bash. doorway. Yeah, they're like still fucking scared of it. They won't go into their own home if they see this like utensil of destruction that I used. It's very cool. And then the sun will come up and they'll all turn to stone and they'll be they'll be done. Um, no blow struck. You won't have to kill anybody yourself really they'll just they'll wait it out and turn into stone um and i wonder how will you oh that's the that's a cool part too yeah no drop of blood spilled and i wonder how will you feel about that and then it has the little insert of the the flower flower that sprouted from him yeah the flower well that one i thought that that too i thought of the like lilies in the field when he defeated the dragon that did make me think of that. That's I what think I in this too. context, I think it's the ugly flower that became that makes that sense. was eaten to become the troll. But I think this might be intentionally making you think a little bit about that. Yeah, just because because that the was my panel. initial thought. Maybe because we've read it semi recently. Plus, she's talking about drop of blood spilled, and then yeah. this like flower blooming. Um, because even I think yeah, it could be. It could be both. Here's what I would think. I love this. This short story, I think, is in the context of everything we've been, it's like, it, it's one of those ones where I think on its own, it stands out on its own legs. I think you could have a non-reader pick this up and be like, oh, that was that was a fun little story. Yeah. But then if you look at it in the greater scope of where the journey we have now been on with Hellboy, God, it's such a fun little tale that is, even though it was created by Mignola post conquer worm it's such a f- cool thing that it might be something that I would be like read this before you read seed of destruction because you'd be like what the hell is this and then as you go through and you fill fill out all everything he's gone through yeah it's all been almost laid out for him here and why i think it could be this ugly flower plus the lily is this whole story is about her accepting herself right in some sense saying I was trollish and I was this, and I was this monster. I fought them with bears, but my sister loved me for who I was. Isn't that Hellboy in a sense? But she still seems to struggle with it for me. But that's Hellboy, right? That's Hellboy too. What leads to where he'll end up? Where she's like, "How do you feel about that?" Like she got to put her anger. She turned her anger into violence against all of these trolls, and she got like this revenge, even though it didn't really solve anything. Her sister's head was still ripped off, and she still lived her life as a cow. So is it worth going and being violent in like ravaging, you know, just like tearing people apart, whether it's trolls or whoever. And I guess it's like, yeah, how will you feel about that? Like she knows a lot about Hellboy and she knows that he's this like could potentially be this tool for the apocalypse. Mm hmm. And she is maybe like, maybe that's something she doesn't know is like, is that okay? Or like, which way do you land on this? Right. Like, do you, is, is, is destruction and like chaos something that you want or not? Right. Or also, do you just stay, there's so much, I I feel like the Mignola. layers to this, dude. He wrote a, it feels like the closest thing to a parable that Mignola has laid out in the middle of the Hellboy. <laughs> like, here's a parable about Hellboy because 
there's so much in here to me that's rich because also she leaves. He kept going to this bell, by the way. You know, he keeps referencing a bell visually. I don't know if that's bell for like where we just the the three wishes. Um, there's that. There's so much of them. Like there are these other references to things we've already seen, but on its surface, I see this wonderful pa- parable because the troll witch she has a she's born. She has this dot this this sister, excuse me, not daughter, sister who loves her. When these trolls appear outside, she's told, just stay here. You're, you're part of us. We consider you one of us, right? You're our family. We love you. She has this urge unknowns to go out and ravage them. She fights them. She doesn't go out and like play with them. She goes out to fight them away. Right. Yeah. In a sense, what she says, do you think she saw in them the thing that was monstrous in herself? So if you go out and if you see yourself in them and you go fight them, it seems like she's almost like she trying to get rid of her. She hates herself. Get yeah. away, get away. I don't want this there. But then that for causes a reaction of her sister to get harmed by that, that, and then you know what I mean? Cause and effect. And then, or, you know, continue to hate herself. It feels like it's really a parable for Hellboy going, okay, I'm this thing that I'm, eventually down the line going to be told you're this. So everybody's going to keep telling me I'm this. Everybody around me accepts me, but he's saying, no, I don't. So is he going to choose to go fight the things that keep saying I'm this, or can you stay inside? Yeah. Can you extract yourself from that situation? Cause she went out there and did, she did fight and it kind of led to her sister being Decapitated and I know that I'm not I, I'm not I'm not a scholar and I don't I can't write about this or speak of this stuff in that high caliber in some sense, but I really feel like I don't know what Mignola was going for. I think for. you're qualified as anybody to be yeah. like, this seems like what the interpretation is. It it's, seems like cool. It seems so and just to throw it in the middle of this Hellboy run, right? Because we just came off the Three Wishes, which, which was a continuation of when he left the BPRD. And then Mignola, just to make this choice to tell a small story in his past, it's very interesting. Yeah. And it, I think it enriches it in a deeper way if you're like, he didn't know who he was yet, but this seems to be talking directly about him. Yeah. I, lo- I love it. I, I, really I cool. As you said, I think it's just layered in in such a sense that pick it up, it looks like just a little quaint story, but in the bigger picture of things, it's so much more. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. At the end, it's like stones and you sort of sense of like implying that stone hinges are, are fucking trolls. <laughs> I, yeah, I love that idea of like, of it, like, yeah, like <laughs> pieces of nature being this, like having this cool, like magical quality like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is really neat. I love that detail. Yeah, like, I just like, yeah, nature, if it's affected by the mystical, why not be so direct? God, I, it's great. I wouldn't know how, I just, again, it's just the mag, the magnificent Mignola. Yeah, so good. Uh, Do you have any favorite panels uh, Um, in this little short story? I do like this little troll baby. (laughs) I like the little troll baby. And I like what the witch looks like, this like first witch, the like original which who yeah. the mom goes to with her like cool, like, you know, like elk or deer skull on there. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. 
And yeah, probably her riding in with the wooden spoon on the goat is like just badass. It's like a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. That's cool. What That's about yeah, what cool. about you? Is that your favorite? I think my fa- absolute favorite. Ugh, there's three. I, I always find myself having a hard time. I love the cow head frame. Yeah. Because it's in this, it looks like even this, we rarely see Mignolo use like lines to show movement, right? Yeah, yeah. But he does it in a way in here where it looks like they just, in a weird way, plopped the head on while walking past her. Like yeah. they just like, we're walking past the window, grabbed her head. It wasn't a lot and of the thought. And the next troll behind him just plopped it on. It yeah. Unceremoniously, <laughs> like. And it would be comedic, but it's like so grotesque. Yeah. And then tragic that she becomes this like animal for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And then, of course, I just think his use of that red panel um, to display the violence versus showing violence is yeah. just... There's just such dis unspoken discipline there that I guess, I mean, I feel like I if I tried to write a script right now that had this, I would always go for the what is expected, and his choice yeah. to go against that, and it feels doesn't even so feel like so much he, of his comics. I was just thinking that today when I was reading it, I was like, so many of these things, like his little descriptions or his like forwards or afterwards, um, like the one that you read. A lot of the times it's like, oh, yeah, I just felt like doing this. And it was just cool. I was like, that's great. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. And the fact that he's in tune with that yeah. makes me revere and very jealous of him. Yeah. <laughs> he's just so much like, no. I mean, his, of course, like style and voice have like changed a little bit over the years. But like, it's still true to what he wants to do. And yeah. you can just feel that. It's really cool. I love that. Um. Real quick, I think the panel of the reveal of the head, I think it's great that the the second panel, which shows the starting the reveal of the head, yeah. is identical to the one that's above the title. Yeah. I love, it's almost identical. I love that. Yeah, the teeth. I, yeah, in the shadow. And uh, and then I just love the close-up of the head. I think the close-up of the head is just so mignolan just to do that. Yeah, it's And cool. I do want you to see now the, the movie he referenced that's that. The man who I'd would be king. I want to watch it. Because this is, after reading that, I was like, oh yeah, he's that's exactly the same reveal in the man who would be king, the, the head. It's cool. It's pretty brilliant. Yeah, I think it's just, and I, I think dialogue-wise, I love the the history that's in, that's built in just as she's telling the story when Hellboy is, and he's like, and she killed a pile of trolls and got her sister head back and her sister turned back into a person and married a prince or something. I have heard that. I think that dialogue is, has such history built into for Hellboy. At yeah, this he's point, like, he's been alive. Oh, and yeah, yeah, I know. Like, he's not really listening until he, like, has to. She, like, corrects him and she's like, no, that's not it. Like, it's all, he, he answered that he's door to be like. He's young and he, like, thinks he has shit figured out. And it's like, you don't know yet. Yeah. Like, I'm like, here to take care of this troll witch that's been eating people. I'll deal with it. Then to be like, oh, I was wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, he made assumptions about this person. Yeah. Like how people, you know. Make, make assumptions, assumptions about, about him. him. Yeah. It's cool. God damn, Mignola. Yeah. He's very good, man. <laughs> He's very good. <laughs> this far in for to be able to nail it on a short story. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 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 Any suggestions or uh, that 
are inspired by this story at all to read, watch, or enjoy? I'm trying to think of like anything with like decapitated head. I can only think of like, this is making me think of Midsummer, but I'm excited for. And it also makes me think of Hereditary because of the head. <laughs> I love it. You know? But like, you know what I fucking watched the other day? This has nothing to do with this it issue. Cares. The 1988, I think, version of The Blob. And it was oh, so, it's so good. good, dude. I'm 100% on board with you on I'd never seen it before. I was like, this is the shit. And it's terrifying. The, it's so scary. And it like, it's just the fucking prosthetics and everything. Like all of those props were amazing. And the, it was just super effective. The editing and like having like shit moving backwards to like make it look like it's moving unnaturally. Like, oh man, that was a good movie. I'm with you on that. It was really have you, cool. Have you watched the original by chance? No. You should just as a reference... <laughs> I still will. The only thing I know of the blob or knew of the blob before this was run, don't walk from the blob. And like oh, right. from like an advertisement for the original movie, it'd be like, run, don't walk from the blob. Oh. <laughs> the just, first I don't one know is, where I saw that as a kid, but I would say it a lot. It's a great artifact. Yeah. It weirdly has Steve McQueen in it, which is wild. It is so fucking God awful boring, Oh man! <laughs> but it's worth watch just once. But that I, I I'm only gonna reiterate what you already said. The night the eighties one is such a cool remake. It's fucking great. Dude. And the horrifying the image of them, like what when it has them a hold of them. Yeah. Is ugh. and it just has like it has a lot of horror tropes. Uh, like the suspense it builds up for before the blob shows up. Yeah. I'm specifically remembering I can't remember who gets attacked, but when it's coming up the drain. It's just a guy back. who works at a restaurant. Yeah. They go into a restaurant to eat, the main characters, and then like they go back into the kitchen and the sink is clogged. And she's like, oh, the sink's clogged. And the like, the like bus boy is like, oh, I'll take care of it. And he reaches down, like he's plunging it and then eventually reaches down into it and gets fucking pulled in Ugh. until his little feet are hanging out. Yeah, that part's wild. You nice see like his skull go into the drain. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. I loved it. I just remember, yeah, I remember really liking that. It's really cool. I mean, I didn't have anything really to refer, to refer people to on this. I remember, uh, I think last issue, I did want to reference something that from last issue we read, which was the last Plague of Frogs. Yeah. Uh, those silent pages. I remember I wished, uh, I forgot to reference that I think people should check out Grant Morrison's um, run of X-Men because he has a whole silent issue that I think is absolutely brilliant. Oh, cool. It's gor the, it's gorgeous because um, of uh, what's-his-name's art. I just fucking quietly, I think it's quietly. Is it quietly that did that or Cassie? I think it's quietly. Chuck? Oh, wait, no. The I'm artist. Another, uh, Frank quietly. Yeah, yeah, quietly did that, and the art in that silent episode is unreal. So if you have never checked out Grant Morrison's run, I think it's w worth it because it's beautiful and great X-Men storytelling. Um, I can't, I had another a silent issue reference, but I can't remember it now. That's okay. That's great. Um, Write it down when you remember it and then I we'll should. do our next issue. And the other That's thing I should do more. We might've already referenced this once before, but in addition to Blob, I think another unexpectedly great horror movie that I think sort of trans it's like a horror movie that transcends that when any genre has a film that transcends its genre and yeah. becomes just like a great film it's always i love it yeah because i think there's movies that always meet their genres expectations that are good and 
great in their own sense, but yeah. there's ones that go beyond. And you made me just think of the blob, also thinking of invasion of the body snatchers, the seventies. Oh, yeah. Yes. I think that transcends from like, Oh, we, totally we have a does. good horror movie on our hands, but then they go beyond that. And it's just a great film. Dude, that movie oh, is that movie's so haunting good. as hell. <laughs> Plus the, um, it's the same thing with like, it reminds me of American werewolf in London in that the leads just have such chemistry that their like romance doesn't feel forced in the like 78 one. You have Donald Sutherland and I think what's her name? Is it Brooke Adams? Who is it? I can't remember. I feel bad. I forget I don't the remember. female actress's name. Yeah. The female actress, the, uh, <laughs> like his co-star, uh, they are like both married, I think, or like they're like unavailable basically, but they like have this like flirtatious romantic relationship throughout Invasion of the Body Snatchers that's like really compelling. That's yeah. It's like super interesting and probably serves the plot in that way where it's like oh, especially if they reveal their humanity or whatever is like in question until yeah, yeah, like it's it's just it's cool. Oh, I think you're right. It was a good fucking movie too. Now I want to rewatch that. Yeah, those are both great. Um those are awesome. I love yeah. uh, if if anybody out there, if you have any thoughts about the troll witch, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can again email us at ah crap a hellboy podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. As well as we take re- uh, referrals that are associated with the issues each week as well. We'll take those from you. We love them. <laughs> um, we love hearing from you all the time. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram at ah crap a hellboy podcast, Twitter ah crap hellboy. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. If you're on Apple Podcasts, we do ask if you give us a Five-star rating that starts with the word boom in the review. We'll read your review out loud right here on the podcast and give you a shout-out. Yeah. Um, so hopefully the giveaway winner has been revealed at this point. If it hasn't, we'll yeah. get to it next week. <laughs> um, but before we go, Kate, give them this week's hashtag right hand of draw yeah. prompt. So this made me, uh, I was thinking about this because I was thinking again about the 2004 Hellboy movie where they show you the Hellboy comics and he says, I hate those comic books. They never get the eyes right. <laughs> yeah. So I, w- I want to see Hellboy reading a comic that he does like. Like what Hell- uh. what comics would Hellboy like? And just show him kicking back reading an issue of that. I love that. That's it. Yeah. Hellboy reading a comic reading book he his likes. his favorite comic. Yeah. His favorite comic book. Because clearly he likes comics. He gave those ones about him a shot. Yeah. He's been reading them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's did you ever it. see, that makes me think of, did you ever see the movie um, Steve Jobs by the Michael With, Fassbender? Um, no, 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 no. I love that movie. I've seen like clips of it where he's like talking to his daughter, but that's it. Okay. I love, I'm a big fan of that movie. I, I think it's just it well crafted. Um, but there's a part in that where, like, Time Magazine, there's a reference in that, because there was a Time Magazine that he was supposedly supposed to be on, but then wasn't, and they replaced it with something fake. Yeah. It's part of, the, it's part of that story. But they apparently, in the, at least, I don't know if this was true and factual, but in the play version of that movie, somebody had laid them out everywhere. They thought it would be nice to have them at the first reveal of, like, the first Mac. And, it, you know, they tried to get rid of them before Steve saw them. And that made me think of... <laughs> Funny that maybe Hellboy never wanted those comic books, but somebody oh, yeah. at the BPRD got a bunch of them and thought they're like, it'd be good. I thought it'd be good to have around. But Hellboy's like, would God like damn it. it. Get this out of my face. <laughs> <laughs>
That's so, really funny. I gotta watch that movie anyway. I heard it was great. I own it if you want to borrow it. Okay, maybe I will. But, you know, <laughs> this was a good episode, I thought. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank I you agree. for listening. And remember, we love you. Hi, I'm Devin Field. And I'm Greg Gallant. And we are the hosts of the podcast First Hand, which is a podcast examining the most important moments in history by speaking to the people who lived them. And we're also going to be sharing our own experiences with those events as Devin and I are kind of like, would you say we're like Forrest Gump types? Yeah, we're like Forrest Gump in the sense that we have experienced almost every major event in modern history and we can run really fast. Yeah, and I think in season one, we we dropped some bombs on you guys like uh, who the real first man on the moon was, who killed Tupac, who really won the 2000 election, small stuff like that. And we speak to real witnesses of these events and definitely not just very funny UCB performers like Carl Tart, no. Mary Holland, yeah, Echo no. Wodum, and many others. No, the real people, the, we had the real Quincy Jones, and we talked Facebook with the real Winklevoss dads. Can you believe it? So tune in to the First Hand Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire. <laughs>